Let's go to Jeremiah 33.3 to start. We should do like woos in sections so then it keeps going till everyone's there. But it says, um, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Now let's go to James 4.8. Good job, guys. All right, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we have call to me and I will answer you. And then we have draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now let's go to 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. You guys make it fun. And it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 12. Now you guys kind of sound like owls over there. Everybody was thinking it. I was just the only one that was going to say it. All right. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Okay, one more. James 5, 16. All right, 5, 16. And it says... The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we are talking about prayer tonight. We are going to cover what is prayer, why do maybe some of us feel a little awkward around prayer, and we're going to see just the simplicity of prayer. Sometimes we make prayer way too complex. We make prayer this, this big thing. I have to say the right words. I don't really know that God's listening to me. I really don't know if he hears what I'm trying to say. I don't know if he even wants to hear from me at all. I don't know if he likes to talk to me. I don't know. And we can make prayer so complicated. And then we come up with the answer that I'll pray for you. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. That, that's just our answer. We immediately, the first thing we tell people when we're going through something is just pray for me. Are they really praying for you? Are you really praying for you? Or is it just become something that we say? When I was in high school, we joked because in our youth group, the answer was read your Bible and pray. To everything the teacher would ask, the answer was read your Bible and pray. And everybody knew it. And all the teenagers would answer that way. So my entire class, no matter what was going on, we would say, oh, read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. I mean, that's a fantastic answer if we actually did that. But if we're honest, none of us teenagers, and I know my class of teenagers, we did not read our Bible and pray over everything that we said, read your Bible and pray about. We would say it, it says the right thing, but we wouldn't actually act on it. And if we would understand how powerful prayer really is, it would change our lives forever. That if we would grab hold of just the simple facts. So I want to break it down like this, okay? What is prayer? Just think about that for a minute. What is prayer? In simplest form, it's talking to God. That seems way too simple, right? Prayer is simply talking to God. Now I want us to grab hold of this revelation. God wants to talk to us. 
I know that seems a little crazy. That's why I'm pausing for a minute because sometimes we don't really take that into account. God wants to talk to us. I've said it and I've heard it said, and I was a little bit convicted about this statement, but we say one word from God can change your life forever, right? Can one word from God truly change your life forever? Yes, absolutely it can. But some of us will live our entire lives waiting to hear that word from God. Right? Are you with me? We wait and wait. I'm just waiting for that word from God that's gonna change my life. Okay, but prayer is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. So if I'm speaking to God, then part of prayer, if it's me talking to God, is God responding to me, which means God has a response available to me every single time I pray. Every time I pray, there is a response available to us. Do we understand that? So if prayer, if we could say one word from God will change our lives forever, then our lives should be radically transformed every time we pray, which should be every single day, right? God has a response. He created us for relationship. Think about it. Clear back in the garden. What does it say Adam and Eve did? It said that they walked with God. They walked with him. If you're walking with a friend, you're usually talking. If you have a relationship with somebody, I would say that I walk through life with my husband who is here but didn't come to church tonight. I don't really know where he is, so somebody can give him a hard time that he's not up here. But if I'm walking through life with my husband, then we are doing life together, right? If you're walking through life with a friend, then you're doing life with that friend. It says that Adam and Eve walked with God. They walked through life. Then you go on and you see that Enoch walked with God. And his is the coolest story in the Bible, I think, because he literally just walked with God and walked with God and walked with God. And as far as we know, he's still walking with God because there's no record of him ever dying. So he's just still walking somewhere with God, either in heaven, on earth. We don't really know. He's just still walking. It says that he walked with God. It says that Noah walked with God. We see that Moses that it says that he was a friend of God. And you can keep going all through the Old Testament and then we see Jesus, the perfect example of a relationship with God, the perfect example for everything in life, that he had a relationship with his father. He was constantly going away to pray, teaching the disciples to pray, teaching us to pray, and what we're gonna get into here in a little bit, but they walked with God. God's desire for us is that we would walk with him. He wants a relationship with him. We were actually, if we, if we think of it this way, we were not designed to not have a relationship with God. God did not design us to live life without him. God did not design us to live life without him. How many of you guys would say that you long for a relationship with God? Yeah? A few of you, most of us, okay? If you long for a relationship with God, I will give you the, the key right here. There is no such thing as a relationship with God outside of prayer. No such thing as a relationship with God. It is impossible for you to have a relationship with God without having a prayer life. It's impossible. You cannot have a relationship with someone that you do not talk to. But then more than that, if you're just talking to them all the time and not listening to them, it's still not really a relationship. God is not the drive-through guy. Yeah, that's how that works, right? We talk to them, we tell them what we want, we drive up to the window, we get our order, and then sometimes it costs us a little bit and we move on. That's what some of us think our relationship with God should be. I drive up to the window, God says, how do I help you today? You order your cheeseburger and fries, but you don't want it to cost too much. So you go like 
on the dollar menu side. And then we pay the little bit of cost that it takes to get what we want from God. And then we go on with our day. And that's most of our prayer life. That's most of our relationship with God. See, we have a good father, so he's going to provide for us. And we're gonna get in more into this in a minute, but I do wanna say one more thing here. If we had a revelation of who God really was, of who he was to us, of who he is through us, then the asking portion of our prayer would almost eliminate itself because we are asking God to provide. But what we don't understand is God, what he does, see providing is not just what he does, it's who he is. Healing is not just what he does, it's who he is. Loving is not just what he does, it's who he is. So the very essence of who he is, just because he's our father, that is already available to us. But we think that somehow God and his ability to do are two separate things. So we will spend so much of our prayer time asking God to do something or to be something that he already is. But we have to open up and be able to go, God, who are you? That's where the relationship side comes in. So prayer is a relationship with God. It's talking to God and he wants to talk to us. Okay, Jimmy Evans said this phrase the other day, rocked my world, okay? He said, God desires to be in our presence more than we desire to be in his. God desires to be in our presence more than we desire to be in his. Why? Because he died to be with us. He died to restore relationship with us. But we have such a difficult time just setting time aside to pray. We have a difficult time just, just setting the fast. I mean, good gravy. This is, anybody else, like this is the longest fast you've ever done in your entire life. It's really the same length as all the other years, but this year it seems especially long. Paula and I were talking about that the other day. She's like, are we on day 7 million? But okay, this fast seems like crazy long, but why? Because setting aside just a little bit for our relationship with God seems to cost too much. Seems to be way too much effort, but God gave everything to be with us. The main purpose of Jesus dying was not to get us to heaven. That was a big reason, but that wasn't the, the focal point. The focal point of him dying was to have a relationship with us. God wants to have a relationship with us. We were created to need God. We were created to be in a relationship with God. And the only way to be in a relationship with God is to be in prayer is to have a prayer life. So this is absolutely powerful. So when do we pray? Um, on Sunday, my dad preached and he said, when you fast, when you pray, when you give. When you fast, when you pray, when you give. When we pray, meaning praying is not a, if you feel like it, you can pray to me. Praying is absolutely necessary. What does prayer do? Prayer brings God into our daily routine. God, or prayer brings God into our daily lives. Salvation gets us to heaven. Okay, so we already have that factor. If you have received Jesus, if you have made him your Lord and Savior, you're already going to heaven. Okay, prayer brings God into our daily life though. Salvation gets us to heaven. Prayer is how we commune with God on a daily basis. Prayer is how we can walk in the will of God. Prayer is how we can walk in peace when situations seem like there's no way that we should be able to have peace. Prayer is that when we know that we can surrender everything and trust God instead of worry, that's where prayer comes into play, but that comes out of relationship because we won't live like we trust God if we don't know God. We cannot live like we trust God if we do not know God. So we have to take the time to know him as our father, to know him as our Lord, but he wants 
to talk to us. That revelation alone, we could go home. God wants to talk to you. Too often we put too many things in our head that, you know, I have to perfect myself before God wants to talk to me. I have to be something before God wants to really be a part of my daily life. God wouldn't want to come into the life I'm living right now. God wouldn't want to come into my situation. God has way too many other things to be dealing with and to be answering my prayers. I want you to know that all of that is a lie from the enemy. All of that is a lie from the enemy. See, outside of knowing our creator, we can never know who we are. Outside of knowing who God is, we will never know who we are. And so outside of a relationship with God, we can't clean our life up. We can't clean it up on our own. So when we're spending time and effort trying to clean our life up, to be able to have a prayer life with God, to be able to be decent for him to talk to, we can't do it. It's impossible. It's an oxymoron. I can't clean me up. That is another reason Jesus came to die. So that, that I could see myself as a result of the cross. I could see myself as a result of what Jesus did and that's how God sees us. And so we can't clean our act up outside of a relationship with God. And so that's a lie from the enemy that if that is a, a something that's keeping us from a prayer life, that we would say, once I get better, once I talk better, once I know more Bible, once I go to church more, once I'm more Christian, then God will want to talk to me. No, he wants that. He created you. The God of the universe took the time to create you. Each and every one of us are so valuable and so important to him that if we had a glimpse of our value to God, we would live completely different. And he wants to talk to us. He wants to commune with us. So let's keep going in our prayer here, or in our word. So we, we make prayer too complex. God desires a relationship with us. Um, in Matthew 7, I wanna read this quickly. Matthew 7, 11. Just so that we can see God's heart truly towards us. And it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How much more? How much more? So, parents in the room, do you make your kids deserve your love? No? You just love them, right? Okay, well, if God is our Father, He doesn't make us deserve His love either. He wants to give to us. Parents, you want to bless your kids. You want to give to your kids. You want to give them what you never had. You want to give them better than what you've ever had. You, want, you naturally are going to protect them. You naturally are going to provide for them. That is something you want to do. You don't make them earn your love. You just love them. The same way, the same is true of, of God. And then if we would understand that there is not an earthly parent that can love us more than God loves us. There's no such thing. Your parents cannot love you more than God loves you. But then another one is that we can't love ourselves more than God loves us. And sometimes we think, I, I just like me more than God likes me. <laughs> It's not possible. You can't love you more than God loves you. God loves you more than we could ever love ourselves. Okay, walking in the plan of God will bring more blessing in our life than we could ever bless ourselves with. And sometimes we think I gotta take care of myself because I know my desires, I know what I need, I know what I want, but we have to get the revelation that we serve a God that knows and has more in store for us than we could ever know ourselves. He literally created us. 
It says that he, he formed our innermost parts, every single part of us, every desire, every gift, every talent, every ability, every dream, every goal. God put that there. God put everything. He created us so unique. He took the time to create us. He knows us better than we know us. And so when we try to provide and need and gain outside of God, we are only settling for a second rate version of something that God already has in store for our lives. But the only way for us to know that is through prayer. The only way for us to be able to access that is through prayer. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, you don't have to turn there, says to pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing. So the first part of prayer, that is the right one, right? Yes, pray without ceasing. All right, so the first part I want us to understand about prayer is that prayer, again, is walking with God. It is an ongoing conversation with God. We can talk to God from the time we wake up in the morning until we go to bed at night. Smith Wigglesworth said, I never prayed longer than 30 minutes, but I never go 30 minutes without praying. That he is constantly having a conversation with God. God wants to be a part of our life. Bring him into every part. There shouldn't be a part of our life that we don't talk to God about. Talk to him about everything. But then the part that I really want to get into tonight is talking about the importance of the outline that Jesus gave us to pray. And this was a huge revelation to me in Matthew 6 because in, I, in, I, in Bible study a few weeks ago, I told everybody I used to skip this chapter. I figured it was probably important that Jesus told us how to pray, but it never made sense to me because it says right before the prayer, okay? And when you pray, do not use vain repetition, repetitions as the heathens do. And then it goes down and says, in this manner, pray and gives us a repetition. Has that bothered anybody else in life? Okay, that has really bugged me, like literally my whole life until the last six months. And I've skipped it and I'm like, I'm sure there's significance there, but I don't even know what half those word means. And I do not know how that is effective praying because we just read the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Repeating the same prayer over and over and over and over and over did not make sense to me. I don't feel like I'm availing anything. I mean, definitely not much. And so I studied this out and this is what I wanna share tonight. Um, so the first part of prayer, we talked about is we should walk with God, that that should be a constant thing. God wants to talk to us. He wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to be in our daily lives. Okay, the second part is we're gonna start reading in Matthew 6, 5. And it says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Okay, I wanna stop there really quick. Do not be like the hypocrites. And then I'm going to ask, you know, just, and you just personally, you don't have to raise your hand or answer out loud. But if I were to ask how many of you have a prayer life, most of us would raise our hand. And then if I were to say, if it doesn't count when you pray over your food or pray with your family before you go to bed, how many of you have a prayer life? It changes the spectrum of things, right? Why? Because that, again, it's important to pray over our food. It's important to pray before we go to bed with our family. Those are good things. But again, those are public prayers. Those are prayers that we are praying with other people. If we keep reading, it says, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, 
go into your room and shut the door. Okay, this tells me something powerful here is one, God wants to be a part of our day all day long. But there's also part of our day that God wants set aside just to have one-on-one time with us. He just wants to hang out with us for a minute. He just wants to hear what we have to say. He just wants to be able to have room in a distraction-free environment to speak to us. How many of you guys have had a conversation with someone who's on their phone? They're they're sitting there messing on their phone. Or, guys, I'm sorry, you can focus on like one thing. So when the TV's on and I'm trying to talk to Oren, it is an exciting time. Why? Because his focus, he's trying to focus on me really hard, but he's really focusing on the TV because there's no multitasking involved. Okay, so guys, in your prayer time, you really need to be distraction-free. Girls, you're all right to have a couple distractions, but guys, one thing, just focus on God. But no, God wants that secret place. Why? Because we know how frustrating it is to talk to someone who's distracted by something else. And God, in the same way, goes, I need time with you when you're not distracted by something else. I know some of us pray while we're driving, and that's really, 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 really good. I hear it helps with road rage, but you're still distracted on everything going on around you, okay? We pray while we're doing this. We pray while we're doing that. That's important. We should pray all day, every day. I am glad that we do that. That is part of what God wants to be a part of in our lives, but there has to be the time that we can set before God in a distraction-free environment that says, I'm gonna focus on you. I want to hear what you have to say to me. Why? Because one word from God can change our lives forever, but we have access to that one word from God every single day. We don't have to wait a lifetime to hear it. We don't have to wait till we're cleaned up to hear it. We can have access to that word from God each and every day, but it takes us setting time aside to hear from God. Okay, we see that Jesus had a relationship with God all throughout the New Testament, right? He did amazing things. He's constantly talking to the Father from the Father, but then there were always times that he set himself aside just to go talk to his Father. There were always times that he separated from everything going on just to go talk to his Father. If Jesus needed private time alone with God, we need it that much more. He is our example, but we need it. But again, this isn't going to the principal's office. God wants to talk to us, that this should be an exciting part of our lives, an exciting part of our day that we go, I get to go spend time with my father, no matter what I can accomplish today in my own strength, just this amount of time in prayer, just this amount of time in my God, with my God can change everything. Just this little section of time that I spend that is set aside for my God. And he wants to talk to you. We were not designed to live life without him. So let's break down this prayer so we actually know what we're praying here. So again, pray throughout your day. In our quiet time, God gave us an outline to pray. God is a God of order and he gives us an order on purpose. So this this, uh, prayer here is not in just listed in a random order. It is in an order on purpose. We're gonna explain what the importance is as we go through. But this is not a prayer to repeat. This is an outline for us to follow in our quiet prayer time. And here's why. First thing, our Father in heaven. Stop there. If we are praying to our Father, that would make us a... Not a trick question. (laughs) All right, there we go. A son or a daughter. You're like, heathen. 
<laughs> no, just, okay. If we are praying to our father, that would make us a child of God, right? Okay. As a child of Bubby and Cindy, we learned on Sunday, Brandon has access to their cabinets, okay? But as a child of Bubby and Cindy, I have access to what is my parents, right? I know who they are. I know the authority they have. I know what I have access to. I know how they would respond in given situations. I know what they would do, how they would handle things. I know that about my parents, okay? The same is true of our God, that if we knew our God, we were praying in its Father. We're not praying to him as King or to Lord in this prayer. We are approaching him as Father. As, still honor, and we're gonna see that in a second, but still absolutely honor for his name, not hey dude or the big man upstairs. Okay, that is not honor in any sense, but approaching it with honor, but going our Father in heaven. I know that I'm praying to my dad. I know that I'm praying to my father who loves me more than I can love myself, who wants to bless me with more than I can ever bless myself with, who can take better care of me than I can ever take care of myself, who can take better care of my family, who sees my circumstances from a completely different viewpoint because not only am I saying my father, I'm saying my father in heaven, my father in heaven who has a vantage point that is completely different from my situation than what I'm looking at. My father who is above everything. Man. So we start our prayer that way, just acknowledging who we're praying to and where he's positioned. So again, not word for word when we're praying in our quiet time, but our first part here is that in praise, in thanks, and in honor. So the first part of our prayer in our quiet time is full of praise, is full of thanks, and is full of honor because I'm, I'm declaring who I'm praying to, where he's seated, but I'm approaching. It says, hallowed be your name. In the kids version, it says, we pray that your name will always be kept holy because hallowed, I don't know what that means, but we pray that your name will always be kept holy is what it is in the kids version. And so we're giving honor to his name. So the first part of our prayer is thanksgiving, praise, and honor that we approach him with such. Why? Because it says to come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It says to come into his, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That we, we, in each of those verses that we are accessing the presence of God, we are drawing near to God through praise and thanksgiving and honor. It says that he inhabits the praises of his people, that he is enthroned on the praises of his people. And so we can access the presence. So the first part of our prayer, that's why we start our service with praise and worship. Because when we spend the time giving praise and giving honor to God, then we are walking into the presence of God, that we are accessing God. We are preparing our hearts to encounter him at a different level, to encounter him at a deeper level. And so this is the same way in our prayer that we are setting ourselves up to access the presence of God. Okay, so our Father in heaven, how will it be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Sorry, I got to catch up here on my notes so I make sure that I, I tell you right. So this part is to surrender to his authority. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so we're taking the time in our prayer. We've praised, we honor, we came before him. Our second part of our prayer is, God, I want your will in my life. I don't want my will. I want to align my life up with what you want. I want your kingdom. 
I don't want my kingdom. I don't need your blessing on mine. I would rather serve yours. That's what we're saying in this portion of our prayers that we are coming before God in complete surrender, going, not my will, but your will. And we see that when Jesus prays, right? We see that in the garden when he says, not my will, but, but yours be done. But this part of our prayer going, I bring everything to you and I surrender it. This is every part of our life. This prayer, if your quiet time is five minutes, cool. This prayer can last you five minutes. If your quiet time is three hours, then this prayer can last you three hours. That's how cool it is, because it's just an outline of how we pray. So the second part is surrender, surrendering every single part of our lives to God. Okay, the third part. Um, give us this day our daily bread. So this is where we ask for daily provision. This is where we ask for daily provision. But notice provision or asking for provision always comes after surrender. Usually, if we're honest, our prayers start with asking. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me. I need, or we cut them really short and go, God help me. And we just assume he knows what we're talking about, right? And that's how we usually pray. But provision is clear down after we have praised him for who he is, we've seen the position that our God holds. And then we've surrendered everything to him. We've asked for his will to come to pass. And now we're asking. And now we're asking. What I've noticed, I told you, I've been studying this for several months and we've, seen, we've been applying it in our lives and it has changed everything. But what I've noticed, when I get to the asking part of this prayer, my list gets very short. Very short. Because when we take the time to truly acknowledge everything that God is, and we ask for his will to be done. If his will is done in my life, what do I really need? What do we need? No, there are absolutely, if you're believing for a financial breakthrough, if you're believing for a healing, absolutely be specific about it in this part of the prayer. But it enables us to ask in faith because we know who we're praying to. We're not praying in a, in a hope. Well, I, I mean, I hope you come through. I, I don't know. No, we're praying going, I know who you are. I know what your word says. I surrendered everything to you and I'm asking for your will to be done in my situation. Father, open my eyes to what you have for me in this. Open my eyes in this. Give me wisdom in this. What have you already made available to me? Because we serve a God that has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. It says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. So everything that we could ever need in life is already made available to us. The needs that we are praying about sometimes are right in front of us. They just don't look like what we think they should look like because we haven't surrendered every part of our lives to who he is. But everything we could ever need in life is already available to us. Think about that for a minute. How cool is God that not only did he create us, he wants to hang out with us, but he's already provided everything that we could ever need. We just have to go through him to access it. We can't do it on our own. And so this part of the prayer is where we ask for our daily provision. It says, give us this day our daily bread. One, thing, one more thing I wanna say about that is when we see this in the Israelites, and it says that God gave them manna daily, right? Manna literally means, what is it? Okay, we do not know what we need for each and every day, but God does. So when we come to this part of our prayer, we're going, God, you know what I need today. You know what I need. But it said that if, if they uh, kept manna over for the next day, that it would spoil. 
And sometimes in our prayer time, we're relying on what word God gave us yesterday or what word God gave us Sunday or what word God gave us a year ago instead of eating on what God needs to provide for us today. He knows what we're gonna face today. We have no clue. When Jesus was in the garden, he told the disciples, pray lest you enter into temptation. He knew what was about to happen. He knew what was going on on the inside of the disciples. And he needed them to pray so that they would not be taken out by the thing coming. And the same is true for us, that we have access to him through prayer to go, God, I need what you have for me today. Not what you had for me yesterday, not what you will, not about tomorrow. What do you have for me today. And God's going to provide. Why? Because providing is not what he does. It's who he is. He is our provider. So we literally are seeking our provider to give us what we need for our day. Absolutely incredible. This next part of the prayer. Okay. This is number, number three. Yeah. Number three. Okay. This was huge to me. This is number four. I lied. Forgiveness. Because I ask for forgiveness but if I'm honest, up until I started studying this out, forgiveness was not a part of my regular prayer time. It wasn't something that, and maybe you guys all did it and I'm just catching up to you, but it wasn't something, if I felt like I did something wrong, I absolutely repented. If I felt convicted about something, I repented immediately. But it was not part of my normal prayer routine, if I'm honest. And so it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That a part of our normal prayer time, that we would take the time to say, God, I repent. I repent for every word that was contrary to your word. I repent for every thought that was contrary to your word. I repent for every in intent of my heart. I repent for every word of gossip. I repent for every bit of doubt. See, we live in a fallen world, and I don't think that we always understand just how overwhelmed we can get in one day, how much of it can get on us just in one day, how affected we could be on it, how contaminated we can be in one day living in the world. And so this part where it says that we, we ask for forgiveness, it's yes, be specific, not just God forgive me. If I did anything wrong today, I don't really know, but it, it makes us aware of how we're living throughout our day. When part of our prayer every single day is, God, I forgive for every idle word. God, I ask for your forgiveness for my thoughts. I ask for your forgiveness for how I responded in that situation. I ask for your forgiveness when I responded in doubt instead of faith, when I blew off the handle at my spouse, when I blew off the handle at my kids, when I lost it because I didn't get my way, when, when I, and you can fill in the blank, whatever. When that becomes a normal part of our prayer life, we live different. We live more aware of the word of God in our lives because we're aware of our actions. We're aware, we're sensitive to the things that dishonor God. We're sensitive to the words that come out of our mouth that are dishonoring. We're sensitive to the attitudes of our heart. We're sensitive to our thoughts. We're sensitive to our actions. We're sensitive to our level of honor and dishonor. We're sensitive to those things when we ask for forgiveness on a in, uh, in our prayer time is our, is our habitual, there's our word prayer time. But then it says, as we've forgiven our debtors, this is the only part of the prayer that's repeated at the end. If you skip down to the bottom, it says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. It's the only part of the prayer repeated. 
This is very, very important if Jesus says it twice. It is very easy for us to pick up offenses throughout our day. Very easy for us to hold grudges. It is very easy for us to live in unforgiveness because there's this belief that if we were to forgive somebody, then we're letting what they did be okay. And that's not the truth. See, forgiving people doesn't make what they did okay. It just sets us free. There's in um, Africa, the way that they trap monkeys is there's this cage and there's a hole just big enough for your hand to fit in. And the monkey puts his hand in there and grabs a coconut. And he stays trapped because he won't let go of the coconut. And that is how they trap monkeys. The thing never shuts on his hand. It's never roped in there and stuck. The cage doesn't come over his body. He literally holds onto the coconut and refuses to let go. And that is how they trap monkeys. The same is true with forgiveness in our lives. When we choose to live in unforgiveness, we will keep ourselves trapped because we, forgive, we refuse to let go. So Orrin and I, whenever we have an offense or, or unforgiveness at all or a little bit of bitterness towards somebody, one of us will always tell the other, let go of the coconut. <laughs> and then we tell other people that and they just look at us really weird. But that's kind of our inside joke. So you guys can all steal it. Let go of the coconut. That we don't hold on and keep ourselves trapped to something that God has given us the ability to let go of. But more than that, every time that we hold on to it, we keep ourselves from accessing the forgiveness and the grace of our God. Because it says very clearly here, if you forgive, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father forgive you. That's serious business. I wanna forgive just so I can be forgiven because I know the amount of times I messed up in one day, I need all the forgiveness I can get. And if I don't have access to that because of something I'm holding onto over here, that's crazy. Forgiveness is the biggest act of self-love you could ever do for yourself. The biggest act. And so constantly in our prayers, every time we come to our prayer time that we ask for forgiveness, but then also offer forgiveness. Both, very, very, very important in our, in our daily prayer time. Okay, we move on to number five. Number five is, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Oh, that's just number five. We don't keep reading yet. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, when we're talking about uh, leading into temptation, Jesus doesn't lead us into temptation. He leads us out of temptation. And that's why it's important to study this out because this part is also very confusing is because it's, well, God, don't tempt me today. That's not the kind of God we serve. That's not the kind of father that we serve. When he says, do not lead us into temptation, what we're doing is asking for God's guidance and God's protection throughout our day. That's this part of the prayer. So number five is guidance and protection, that you lead us in your perfect path. When it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart, to lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths, right? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. That God wants to have us step in where he needs us to go. But if God has a path for us, that tells me that the enemy also has a path for me. And if I'm not walking on the path that God has for me, the only other path that I can walk on is the one that the enemy has for me. There's not an in-between. There's not the okay in the middle path. There's no such thing. There's either, I'm either walking in the guidance and the protection of God, or I'm either walking in the guidance of the enemy that has no protection. One of the two. So each and every day we can ask ourselves, am I walking 
Do we know? If I were to ask you, did you know for a fact that you walked in the path of God today? Most of us would find that questionable. I don't, I don't actually know. I mean, I think so. I hope so. But we wouldn't know if we didn't acknowledge God throughout our day to make sure. Isn't that incredible? That we would get to the end of our day and not know which path we walked in. But this part of our prayer going, God, I need your guidance and I need your protection. But then it's trusting in him each and every step going, I know that you're my protector. I know that you're my guide. That we set our eyes on Jesus. That when I'm walking where he has me to walk, there is protection. There's supernatural protection. That there's, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So it doesn't mean that we're not going to walk through dark places. We're not going to walk through hard times just because we're walking through something dark or walking through something hard doesn't mean we're not walking in the path of God. But it says, though I walk through the valley, all the way through it to the other side, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It does not say that there won't be weapons formed. It says that they won't prosper. It says a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, right? But God is always with us. So we, we have to understand that even in our prayer time, we pray for this. We pray for supernatural protection over us. We pray for supernatural protection over our families. Plead the blood of Jesus over them. Put ministering and warring and guarding angels. Just pray that over your family. Pray that over you. But then also... When we surrender our will, when we surrender who we are to God, then we're going, I choose to walk in the path that God has for me today. I'm not going to look to the right. I'm not going to look to the left. I'm going to walk where God wants me to walk. If we walked wherever in, in the path of God that he has for us, if we were to walk in that path every single day, what would our life look like? A year from now, a week from now. That we know that we know that we know I'm walking where God wants me to walk. The only way to walk where God wants you to walk is to hear where he's telling you to go. And so outside of prayer, again, I, I, you guys have all seen the kids game where they blindfold somebody and there's all kinds of obstacles, right? And then there's someone going, come this way, right, left. No, don't do that. Turn this way. We play it all the time in class. But if that person isn't talking, this person is left to their own to try to get through the obstacles, right? And how many of us go through life that way because we don't have a prayer life? Because we forget to take God with us throughout our day. We maybe have some prayer time in the morning, but he's not with us throughout our day. He's not with us through what we're facing. And so we don't know if we're stepping on something we're not supposed to be stepping on or if we're walking right where we're supposed to be walking. But we will have no idea if we do not listen to the voice of God. So number six. Number six is, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Three things. Three things that our flesh desires more than anything else. Our own kingdom, our own power, and our own glory. We want to build our kingdom and have God's bless it, God bless it. We want to have power to live how we want, to speak how we want, and still walk in God's grace. And then we want to take the glory for every good thing that ever happens in life. Three things that our flesh desires more than anything else. And that's why it's very important here that we are acknowledging who really has divine right in our life. For yours is the, it doesn't say a kingdom, it says the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Instead of God, bless my kingdom, give me the grace to be whoever I wanna be and act who I, how I wanna act and then I wanna take the glory for my life even though I know I'm nothing without you. 
that in this part of the prayer, we're saying completely different, that God, I live for your kingdom, by your power, and for your glory, to bring you glory. That I live for your kingdom, by your power, to bring you glory. That is how I choose to live my life. I'm not living for my own kingdom. I'm not living for my own power, and I'm not living for my own glory. I am living for yours that you are the only one that has a kingdom in my life and I serve it, that you are the only one that has power in my life and I will live according to that power. But then I also give you the glory because I didn't create myself. I couldn't have created me. I didn't give me gifts and talents and abilities and desires. God did all of that. We are nothing without God. So he deserves all the glory, no matter how big or how little the success may be in our life, all the glory goes to God, not to us. We didn't create us. And then the last part of our prayer is amen. Okay, this is not goodbye. This is not aloha. This is not ta-ta for now. Okay, what this means is let it be so. So we are declaring something. We are declaring faith. We are declaring belief in what we just prayed. So after we pray through that prayer in our own words, be real with God. Just that he wants to have a conversation with you. No perfect language, no perfect lingo. God just wants to talk to you. But I would encourage you always speak to God in honor and not just as another friend. Speak to him with honor because he truly does hold honor in our life. But we don't have to have perfect language. We don't have to know all the right words to say. We don't have to, prayer is simple. We make it so hard. Just have a relationship with him. Follow this outline and go, I'm praying to my father. And if that's all that part of the prayer is, excellent. I love it. Move on to part two. God, I want your will to be done in all areas of my life. I surrender my will. I surrender my emotions. I surrender my desires. I surrender my finances. I surrender my marriage. I surrender my kids. I definitely surrender my kids. I give them to you a hundred times over. And I, please take them, <laughs> right? But whatever that part of the prayer may look like for you, to surrender that part. And then move on to, God, I need, I need a financial breakthrough. That's what I'm praying for. And I know you're my provider. And then, but make it personal. Just pray through. But when you get to amen, it's not hope it works. That's not what amen means. Amen means let it be so. I am speaking those things that do not exist as though they do. I am speaking to the God who is all, who knows all, who is the same yesterday and for today and forever, who knows everything, who never leaves me. I'm praying to that God. And when I say amen, I'm saying, let this be so. I know it's gonna happen. I'm speaking it into existence that we are saying amen in faith, that over and over and over throughout our day that we'd go, nope, let it be so. Let it be so, let it be so. And we leave in faith walking out what we just prayed instead of walking back out in fear. We should not leave our prayer time with more fear or the same amount of fear as when we walked in. We should not leave our prayer time in the same amount of worry that we walked in with. We should not leave our prayer time in the same amount of stress that we walked in with. If we do so, if we live a life of worry and live a life of stress, it reveals a lack of trust in God. It's that simple and that seems hard and that seems blunt. But if you think about it, every time we worry and every time we fear over something in life, it's an area that we do not trust God in, that we do not trust who he is. He, we will not trust what he, he's gonna do, what he said he was gonna do. It's an area that we do not trust. And so when we leave our prayer time, it's leaving going, I'm gonna choose to walk in faith. I will leave walking in joy. I will leave walking in peace because what I just prayed, I know it's going to be so because I serve a God that loves to answer prayers. He is more eager to answer than we are to ask, I promise. Will you stand with me?